Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Welcome into the Ball Blast podcast. We are into June. It is officially June. We made it through the first like super slow month of the NFL offseason. May, there's not a whole lot going on. In June, there's going to be a whole lot of not really important stuff going on. I know OTAs, all right? But that that just makes you overthink. OTA news just makes you overthink. But then well, you get to July. Michelle, we need something. Yeah, I like, know. just we to be clear, something. after the month of May, which was dry as a bone, like, just I, starving for literally anything to talk about. I mean, they the, the parade of the NFL scheduled release, like, we make the big deal out of that. Yeah, like, it, it means something, but also, like... Did you see Justin Ross caught a catch from Patrick Mahomes? A deep one. A touchdown. He did. There was no defense, but he caught a deep touchdown. So, like, he's going to be super fantasy relevant this year, right? This is a beautiful time of year. You know why? <laughs> uh, because... Everyone's great. Everyone's <laughs> in shorts. There's no defense. And guess what? NFL players are really good at football. Did you know that? They're also in the best shape of their life. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Did you know that NFL players are, like, really athletic and can catch a ball and are pretty good at what they do? No way. No way. No, but uh, so we have, like, one more month here before we get into training camp and preseason games. And that's where you get, like, you know, get really excited for the season. But we're doing projections right now for fantasy football for the fantasy season. That's coming up shortly here. And Kate and I wanted to discuss about the hardest teams to project because there are some teams that I just dread, like trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do this year <laughs> because there's just too much going on. And it's in, or there's a lot of question marks, or there's bad quarterback players, there's people entering or leaving the team. And just, you know, a handful of them are extra, extra hard to project and to figure out for fantasy next year. And it's not to say, like, all of these offenses are bad, because the first team I want to talk about... It's a really good offense. I project this to be one of the NFL's best offenses, but because of the number of weapons there, super hard to project. So, like, this is a really fascinating time of year, because, I mean, it's still the time of infinite possibilities for everybody, but, like... This is time to put nose to the grind, nose to the grindstone. Is that a thing? Never heard of that in my life. I I think that's a thing. Um, but put our nose to the grindstone and actually start assigning some reality to these players and bringing them back down to earth and saying like, okay, so you know, player X moved on to this team. What what is their realistic target share going to be like? Like. What is their realistic touch total going to be like for a running back? How many targets are there going to be around? It it all becomes real. 
in this moment. And God, projections are like one of my favorite exercises every single off season. Cause you can make your bold fantasy takes. You can make your bold predictions. You can say, I think player X, Y, Z is going to have a good year, but this is the exercise that actually puts all of those takes to, to test. Yeah. And it's really fun to talk about those guys where you're like, you know, they're going to get a ton of volume or a ton of targets and it's so easy. And you're like, Oh, it's really hard. to. It's really easy to talk about the first few runs, right? Those guys that you just like, you know, are going to get that work. But today we're going to try to help you further with actually talking about these guys that we don't know what to do in fantasy. We're going to talk through it and we're going to try to help you before the fantasy season. So let's jump right in, Kate. You already kind of hinted at the team kind of, but you know, you can introduce it since you said you think they're going to be a top offensive team this year, which is, I think, a bold take slightly. Sort of bold take. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars who did take a huge monstrous step forward in 2022 made a playoff run that I don't think anybody would have ever expected okay, and a playoff run or one playoff win two playoff uh one playoff win but put up a fight against oh, the Kansas City Chiefs a fight like are you talking like big brother let's little brother slightly hang oh, in the game like it was never a game hey I mean Ranked ninth in total yards for no, the 2022 yeah, I, season. I think the Jaguars will be a good offense this year. I agree with you. And I agree that they are extremely hard to project because they have so many pieces, but none of them are like more dominant than the others. Like, especially at the wide receiver position, it's not that being more dominant, but you have Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley now. And Zay Jones, who was randomly very good last year and then sometimes disappeared, but Christian Kirk, I think, surprised everybody last season, right? It was like the last time this offseason, everyone was making fun of the Jaguars for how much they paid him in free agency. It, it, he turned out to be a pretty solid addition and was a very good target for Trevor Lawrence and had some really nice fantasy production. Had a career year, 99 receptions, over 1,200 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. Just he was that dude, and he looked like that dude – he looked like a player that we probably shouldn't have been mocking for his giant contract because he actually he he walked the walk. He didn't just talk the talk. He didn't just flash the cash. He walked the walk. He averaged 8.5 targets per game last year, including the playoffs, 15 fantasy points per game. Like that's a really solid wide receiver to have on your team, especially where he was going in drafts last year. But the thing is, he's not going to be going all that much earlier this year in drafts because of Calvin Ridley. So they trade for Calvin Ridley last year when he was on suspension. He is now free to play this season. The last time we saw Calvin Ridley play a full season, it was great, right? And yeah, this the last year with the Falcons there when we don't really know if his mind was all into it or what was going on there with personal reasons because he left the team for a bit. Like, we don't know what was going on, but he seems to be fully focused. He's excited. Well, according to him, he's very excited to be back in the NFL, and hopefully his mental health is back to being, you know, good again. And Calvin Ridley's a really good wide receiver. Does this hurt Christian Kirk, and which one of these two guys do you want? Is Zay Jones now completely out of the conversation of even, like, a last-round pick? What's insane is you didn't even mention Evan Ingram. Well, Evan, yeah. I mean, Evan Ingram is going to be a part of our conversation here, but 
I think he'll be all right, even with Calvin Ridley. So let's focus on the wide receivers first. Then we'll go to Evan Ingram. I definitely think Zay Jones feels like the odd man out here. I mean, just looking at where Zay Jones lined up, like he was primarily an outside wide receiver. Christian, uh, sorry, Calvin Ridley has averaged 83.7% of his snaps playing out wide. Like, obviously you're going to play Calvin Ridley unless he comes back and he doesn't look like Calvin Ridley, which saw it last year with Deshaun Watson, came back after an extended period of missed time and didn't look like the elite asset that he once was. I think that's a completely different situation, it, though. It absolutely was. Like, like Watson's mental health was probably in the gutter, hopefully. You know, Ridley any, seems to be trending yeah, up by yeah. his own account, but like Ridley feels like the the w- clear cut wide receiver too for this team. Christian Kirk, he's gonna play snaps out of the slot. He is going to play some snaps out wide. Uh, now the good thing about this team is that like they they do play eleven personnel, six highest rate in the league, which means they had three wide receivers on the field majority of the time. So. That's not to say that there is no place for Zay Jones in this offense. It's just that, like, I, I think what we're going to see, you know, like Zay Jones, second most targets on the team. I think that bumps down to wide receiver three. Marvin Jones did leave. He went back to the Lions. Saw it really surprising and sneaky 88 targets last year. When? Like, when did Marvin Jones have 88 targets? I don't remember. I blacked out. I What happened? I do think we can just see Zay Jones go into the Marvin Jones role, and then uh, we see Calvin Ridley take over those Zay Jones targets right away, probably some of Christian Kirk's. And, like, the reason we're bringing up Zay Jones right now is because he averaged nearly eight targets per game. I brought up Christian Kirk was at 8.5. Zay Jones was at 7.8 targets per game last year. His yards per reception was a little lower than Kirk, so it didn't feel the same, and he scored four fewer touchdowns. But he still averaged 13 fantasy points per game. Like, that is not nothing. That is a very usable fantasy asset. And if you're talking about the talent difference between Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones, like I think I think there is room for Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley to both be successful in fantasy this year with Trevor Lawrence. And if I'm picking one, I probably go with the upside of Calvin Ridley. Like if you, if I have to say like, who's going to like really make the difference on your team this year, Christian Kirk was good last year. Don't get me wrong, but was he a difference maker? Some, I mean, sometimes he had some nice games, but he doesn't have that ability to have like massive, massive games. Calvin Ridley does. And with a guy like Trevor Lawrence going to his third year, he's only getting better. If I'm going to take a chance on one, it's Calvin Ridley, and I feel kind of good about it. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of upside, especially for that price. Looking at Christian Kirk's upside, like the floor, super safe. It feels like you're kind of just going to get a wide receiver, like maybe low-end wide receiver one on a good week. Um, But it feels like the floor is kind of like wide receiver two range. And top 24 wide receiver, you're going to take that all day. Um, But the upside does feel capped. Had just two games last year where he finished as a top five wide receiver, like he's not overly dominant at that. You know, one of his top five finishes came on a uh, nine catch, 105 receiving yards, two touchdown game. And I do think that we're going to see some of those, those touchdowns and some of those end zone targets dispersed Calvin Ridley's direction. So we've talked about, Ridley was a great touchdown score with the Falcons, like fan, fantastic touchdown score and 
I, I again, I just think Trevor Lawrence is going like he coming out of school. He was supposed to be like this best prospect coming out since Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Like he was that type of prospect. And unfortunately, he had to deal with Urban Meyer, and I think that set him back for a second. But at the end of last year, we really did see him start to show those signs that he could be special in this league. So again, like I think Christian Kirk can be really solid, and I think fine draft him. Like in PPR leagues, he's a fine draftable asset, especially what his price is going to be uh, right now. He's wide receiver twenty five ADP. Now, again, we're looking at ADP on June 1st. It's a little bit different than what it's going to be <laughs> at the end of August. What? You're saying nothing's going to change? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Calvin Ridley right now, wide receiver 17. So he is a bit earlier. But even with that difference in gap, I'm still willing to take that bet on a guy like Calvin Ridley because at wide receiver 17, he has the ability to be a top 10, top 5 wide receiver. Probably not. But, like, he has that ability. Well, Christian Kirk, I think, you know, his ceiling probably hits at like wide receiver 15 ish, especially with Calvin Ridley there. But, you know, I think what this helps so much is Trevor Lawrence. But how much do you have to temper your expectations before you're like, okay, we haven't seen Calvin Ridley on a field in a year and a half. The last time we saw him, it wasn't pretty. Are we overvaluing him when it comes to Trevor Lawrence? And how high are you willing to put him up there in your rankings? Because right now, Trevor Lawrence is very. I mean, he's not super costly. Like, it's not like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts. Like, you can get him for a, a nice little discount compared to those guys. Yeah, right now, QB8 on Fantasy Pros, which, like, that that feels kind of right for me. Like, the, but like the quarterback players- eight, I do feel like, yes, it's still quarterback eight, but I do feel like it's going to be a big drop-off when you're like, okay, the Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Herbert, Fields, I feel like Jack, Lamar Jackson, they're all going to go relatively early. I could see like there being a gap then before you hit the Deshaun Watsons, the Dak Prescotts, the Trevor yep. Lawrence. And at that point, is Trevor Lawrence such a good value? I think so. Like, I mean. Because he also has rushing ability. He has rushing ability. And then, again, go back to 2022 where Zay Jones saw a freaking crap ton of targets like 137 targets so players uh some players that he had more targets than uh mike evans amari cooper t higgins jalen waddle brandon Ayuk, terry mclaurin drake london chris alave that is how many targets zay jones had like i it blows my mind and he wasn't overly efficient so, like, zay jones <laughs> had more targets than T. Higgins is quite a stat. It is insane because it didn't feel like that. that. And it's because he wasn't, again, he he wasn't super efficient. Average 10.3 yards per reception, which like not. Because he's Zay Jones. He's Zay Jones. But like to see what he produced and to see the target share that he had in this offense with Trevor Lawrence. If Calvin Ridley gets close to those targets, he's going to ball out. If he gets close, like, yeah. I mean, if you swap out the target share for like what Zay Jones had last year and then give it to Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley could be a top 15. As we're talking through this, I think I'm going to have Calvin Ridley ranked around wide receiver 12 to 15 when it's all said and done. And right now that's a great value for him of where he's being drafted. So I think we answered that question. And again, I think Christian Kirk 
is a viable PPR fantasy asset this year too. But Zay Jones, like even late rounds, like you're going to need an injury at that point for it to matter. Let's move on to Evan Ingram because I think he, he seems super excited to be with the Jaguars. He said it like it felt like, I don't know his exact words, but it was like a breath of fresh air and he needed this and it was great for his career to go on to the Jaguars. We know Doug Peterson is that tight end whisperer and he loves to use them. Does Evan Ingram continue his success from last year, even though they're going to now add in Calvin Ridley? I'm actually not worried. Like I am, I'm thinking, and this is again, just me kind of projecting what is going to happen right now on, uh, uh, oh my gosh, fantasy pros, um, looking at just ADP, right? Evan Ingram, tight end eight, mm-hmm. like feels pretty decent. Uh, you look at what he produced last year, um, like maybe you have some concerns, but uh, again, ranked third on the team in targets, still had over 100 targets, 85 receptions, 890 receiving yards, five touchdowns. And the thing is, so Evan Ingram took 509 of 614 receiving snaps either out of the slot or just playing like good old classic inline tight end running out for a route. So 25 of his targets came out wide. Like I don't think Calvin Ridley really mixes things up in, in that regard. Like not enough of Ingram's work came on the outside for me to be overly concerned about that. But I think when you consider the upside of this offense and scoring potential, like this offense posted a lot of yards last year. The one thing I think they could have improved on was their scoring. They were middle of the pack when it comes to points scored. I do think that Calvin Ridley, another year in Doug Peterson's system, another year under Trevor Lawrence's belt, this could be a very productive offense. But it, like, it's going to be, I think, interesting to see how these projections shake out and do we see Trevor Lawrence gravitate away from Christian Kirk? Do we see, um, like, what do we see Calvin Ridley return to? Like, there's just so many question marks. But I think maybe the more interesting question mark because of this player's draft position is probably Travis Etienne, who, like, drafted as an RB1 right now on average, RB12. So uh, some players he's being drafted just behind Derrick Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, Brees Hall. Um, like interesting prospect because obviously like we were all aboard the Travis Etienne train last year, but overall kind of underwhelming season, like not nothing to write home about. I mean, not to say it was bad, but just not as much upside as you would have thought, especially considering the groove this offense found. I will say it was weird. He had a weird season because I was so excited for ATN prior to the season because you thought he was going to get so many receptions because he did it at that's where he was Trevor Lawrence and you thought, you know, they're going to need him and he's going to get a lot of receptions. And it turns out he's a fantastic running back. I mean, all he does is break off long runs, but they weren't targeting him. So that was questionable, right? But he had a great run. Once, once they traded away James Robinson, it was, and he started getting the major workload, 19 points, 25, 27, and then he got hurt in week 10. Like So when he took over, he was fantastic for fantasy. And this is PPR points, I just said. He got hurt, and he dealt with that injury and missed some time, or not really missed time, but 
just struggled, right? He struggled a bit. Wasn't at 100%. But by the end of the year, he got back to his old self and 13 points, 14, 23. Last game of the season, he didn't really play. And then the playoffs, 13, fantasy points, 17. And his, his efficiency went way up again. The biggest issue is the receptions, right? And maybe those don't come. But if he's he, – I feel like he's getting a discount right now because – of that injury and the receptions and then also Tink Bigsby, them drafting him. Like they needed a backup running back. They don't have one on the roster. Like Jermichael Hasty was their next go-to last year when ETN got hurt. You cannot go into the 2023 season with that. Like you just can't do that. And that's really all that was left on this roster at this point. Bigsby's just a guy. He's just a guy. He couldn't even be special at Auburn. He's just a guy. He is fine if you need, like, he needs to be a backup. But that's all he is. He's a backup. I'm not worried about Bigsby in the slightest. I know some people really love him. He's just a guy. And he's not going to steal much work. I just really don't believe it. My biggest concern with Travis Etienne, I think, does come because, like, you're right. You're it, maybe he needs I'm to fix a fumble issues. <laughs> Hold on to the goddamn ball. That's what he needs to fix. Yes, that is 100% fair. Um, like he, he had some really good games, especially after James Robinson was traded. And if you would have told me he'd have one, two, three, four games of 20 plus carries in 2022, like I projected a lot for Travis Etienne, I would have said you were probably out of your mind. Cause I didn't see him having that role. I thought his role would be as a receiving back, but 14.4% running back target rate for the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, which is fifth lowest in the entire NFL. Yeah, it's probably not going to get higher with Calvin Ridley entering. And that, like, that's yeah. what kind of bugs me. Like, does I think the that's lack why, of targets? I think limit that's his why upside? he's running back twelve. Honestly, like, if he was going to get targets, he's going to be way higher. But I think running back twelve is very fair for him. So we're just making our peace with the fact that Travis Etienne is not going to be a pass catching. Listen, if back. anyone were to get injured and for whatever reason he started to get utilized that way, that'd be great. It's really hard though to project that, right? I'm not going to project him to get 80 targets next year. I projected him to get a ton before last season. I'm going to project him around 45. Probably. It's exactly what he got in 2022. Okay. I didn't know that. And <laughs> I really didn't. That's probably what I'll You're just copying and pasting no, stats, Michelle. I literally just pulled that number out of my butt and you just, that, that website just Very pulled weird. up and it said 40. That's, <laughs> like, that's weird. But that's where I'm going to have him at. And that's why I think it's fair that he's ranked behind guys like Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley and um, Ramondre Stevenson, like guys who are going to get more targets in PPR and, He's right around the Najee Harris's and the Kenneth Walker. And guess what? Najee Harris, not efficient. Kenneth Walker, super efficient, also doesn't get a lot of targets. So that is all fair because ETN is super efficient, hasn't got the targets, but he's in a really good offense. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to score and break away runs because defenses have to focus on all these playmakers. I'm still in on Travis ETN. His price is not outrageous. I think it's super fair and I'm not worried about him. I, I like if you can grab him at running back 12 cost, then like as long as he doesn't move up super high, I'm okay with that. But we've been talking about the Jaguars now for far too long and we need to move on to another team. I'm excited for the Jaguars. I know. I know. All right. Let's move on to another team. This team is not so exciting this year. It's not, but they have a lot of good fantasy assets that we need to discuss. So it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, do we have to? They have two 
amazing wide receivers. Yeah, they and do. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And then they also have a young running back that people were very excited for in his rookie season, Rashad White. He was pretty meh, right? He had some opportunities, pretty meh. But now he has not overly efficient. Um, yeah, but like very nice pathway to carries. Like literally has a backfield, like pretty much all to himself at this point. But, but what is our concern? Say it with me. Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. <laughs> that I mean, that's the entire concern, right? So Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have been good for a, a while. Mike, they, they're both good with Jameis Winston. They were both really good with Tom Brady. Mike Evans had his down year last year. Chris Godwin was coming back from the ACL, but still dominated when he was healthy with 104 receptions last year. Insane. And 15 games played. He averaged 6.9 receptions per game. That was behind only Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Tyreek Hill, among guys that played 10 games last year. Did you just hear the list I just said? Should I repeat it? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. That's the only guys he was behind in receptions per game. That's insane. Coming off a torn ACL. Coming off a torn ACL. Now, was he the most? And it wasn't. No, No. but it was a late. It like he tore his ACL at the very end in 2021. So like that kind of usage right out of the gate and. He did get injured returning from his torn ACL, had a hamstring injury. I actually was about to say he wasn't the most efficient, but he actually was. I mean, sorry, this, uh, Michelle, you're actually looking at Mike Evans. Evans. Oh, I was shocked. I was like, there's no way that Chris (laughs) Godwin averaged 14.6 yards per reception. Okay. I, I figured. Okay. Yeah. We all know that Mike Evans averages a lot of yards per reception. He's a good touchdown scorer, but that's what he depends on. Right? So let's start with Mike Evans and we'll go on to Chris Godwin because you're the Mike Evans girl and Mike Evans with Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Because with Jameis Winston, they threw so much, I guess with Tom Brady, they threw so much too, but Tom Brady knew how to spread it around a little bit more than Winston did with Tom Brady. Everything with his fantasy production came down to did I score touchdowns? And he scored 27 touchdowns over his first two years with Brady. And that went down to six in 2022. And that destroyed his fantasy value. Like, he was so bad for so long. Like, Baker Mayfield's not going to score a lot of touchdowns, right? Like, what is what is your hope with Mike Evans? Let's start there. So you're you're making the very bold assumption that it's Baker Mayfield. So like it's not Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, no. Oh my goodness. So coming out of Florida, Kyle Trask played for Florida. When you watch this tape, I personally said before the draft, I've never seen a guy with a weaker arm that was a college or that was an NFL prospect in my entire life. I swear to God, I have a stronger <laughs> arm than Kyle Trask. Michelle, coming out, I swear to God. Coming out of Florida, I like watching this film. I was like, I don't know how this ball isn't picked off every single pass. And then they just showed passes from OTAs. Again, no defense. Like, no defense. All he has to do is pass it. I think his arm got weaker. I think he lost muscle and his arm has gotten weaker. Now, the 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 tape from Baker is also not great. He's like overthrowing guys. No. But uh, Kyle Trask. Like, the whip he has on the ball, it's non-existent. He cannot be an NFL quarterback. It is so bad. So, yes, it's Baker Mayfield unless they bring in someone else. Sure, maybe they sign someone. I don't know. But Baker's going to destroy Kyle Trask in any competition because, good Lord, that man I mean, is God, not I an hope. NFL quarterback. 
I hope. Yeah. Anyways, so it's Baker, right? That I'm just assuming 100% is Baker. But with Mike Evans, I can't trust him at all with Mike Evans because it comes down to touchdowns and efficiency. And Baker can throw a deep ball. He can. So maybe they connect on some of those. But the consistency is going to be so bad with him. The consistency is definitely going to be a concern. And the consistency has always been a concern with Evans. Like he'll put up 40 points and then in one game and then nothing in another. But for example, so like last year, um, you know, like I think with, with Tom Brady, generally speaking, Mike Evans and his fantasy points, like it's been kind of like an even pie chart. So you can look at receiving yards, receptions, receiving touchdowns, like what percentage of the fantasy points came from what, with Tom Brady prior to last season, it was kind of like an even pie chart. And usually you wouldn't expect it to be an even pie chart because, like, the wide receivers, like, you don't expect that big of a chunk to come from touchdowns. But so they in did. PPR. In, in PPR. Yeah. But last year, it kind of evened out. Almost 50% of his fantasy points came from receiving yards. I do think that yeah, like, because he had no fantasy points. <laughs> he, but that yeah, he had that's that one game <laughs> right at the end of the season where it was not helpful to anyone because anyone who had him was already out of the playoffs. Yeah, um, that's weird. Yeah, I I want nothing to do with Mike Evans because his name is still. It's not like he's going to drop super far in drafts. He's not going to go high, but he's not going to be a late round pick. So I want nothing to do with him. I did want to. I like. I still kind of trust Chris Godwin though. Because oh, no, said- just to be clear, I don't want to necessarily draft Mike Evans. Like, I'm just saying, when you look year in and year out, like, he's always, like, you know he's going to post a 1,000 receiving yards. He's never not done it. Um, you know he's probably going to score at least five touchdowns. He's uh, only not done that once in his nine-year career. Um, like, he's just a really good wide receiver, but – in terms of fantasy upside, yes, I do think he's more dependent on a good quarterback because he's like, you know, you've got to trust him to make the play, which, um, you know, and you have to have the arm to at least get the ball to him. But in terms of like risk, I also look at Mike Evans. I say like, he's a really talented wide receiver. Like if I could trust, you know, pick, five wide receivers in the NFL that I would just want to throw a ball up to and I would trust them to get it. It would be Mike Evans. Mike Evans would be one of those wide receivers. So are we discounting? Cause like Jameis Winston in his worst year Mike Evans still had over 1100 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. Yeah, but I don't think Baker's going to just throw it up like Jameis Winston did. And also we don't have the same offense coordinator. That's fair. Like it's a, it's totally different. I will say, so this is the thing with Baker, right? He's never really made a wide receiver great for fantasy. And he's played Jarvis Landry is by far the best wide receiver that he's made good for fantasy. So Jarvis Landry averaged 12 fantasy points per game and games he played with Baker Mayfield. And, and then Odell he comps much more closely to Chris Godwin. Yeah, Chris Godwin, than, yeah, the yeah. slot wide receiver. And I think Chris Godwin's a much better player than Jarvis Landry overall, right? And I will say Jarvis Landry was the wide receiver 12 with, with Baker Mayfield in 2019. That was a long time ago, but PPR and all the reports coming out, they're going to use Chris Godwin like in every way possible, like as a gadget, as a slot. Like, so I think he is the guy. And I'm okay taking him this upcoming year. If I'm going to take 
a receiver for the Buccaneers. I think Chris Godwin is the one to do it. Now, he is the most expensive one, but I think that's fair. It, I just think what's impressive, 150 targets, 1,100 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Like, you're not, you're not loving that, but, like, the volume is there. And even in what was literally his most inefficient season by far, 9.7 yards per reception wasn't, like, you know, overly done. It wasn't his best performance after the catch. Like, But he was coming off the ACL. He was coming off the ACL. But so, like, I, you, you see the upside there, and you realize, like, another year out. So, right now, I was looking at the ADP, and that's – I was saying he's the more, he is the more expensive one, but he's one spot ahead of Mike Evans when it comes to wide receiver rankings. Chris Godwin all day behind Michael Pittman. He's behind Terry McLaurin behind Christian Kirk behind DJ Moore behind Jerry Judy behind Mike Williams. Like I would want Chris Godwin over all these guys easily over like way behind Amari Cooper and Christian Watson. I would much prefer Chris Godwin again. This ADP is kind of wonky. I'm sure it's including some dynasty notes. It's from ESPN ADP fan slash fantasy pros. But like, give me Chris Godwin next year. If he even stays anywhere close to his current ADP, people are going to be scared off from Baker. And I totally agree. But if Chris Godwin is your wide receiver two on your team, I think that is fantastic in PPR. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I want nothing to do with Mike Evans. And then let's talk about Rashad White. Rashad White. So we brought it up, right? Leonard Fournette's gone. And the only other running backs on the team, Chase Edmonds, who couldn't get anything done with Miami last year. He had a nice little run with the Cardinals when he was called upon. But, you know, he signs a, a, a good little contract with the Dolphins and, you know, nothing happened. He left the team pretty fast. They also signed Sean Tucker as an undrafted free agent. We're from Syracuse. Or I'm from Syracuse. And Kate is a Syracuse fan because she has to be because she's married to me. <laughs> so, of course, I have to bring him up. But he's a really good running back. And he should have been drafted. But he had the heart issue. And that scared teams off. I think he would have been a top three round, probably third round running back pretty easily if he didn't have these health scares. He's a very talented running back. No one knows if he's going to be healthy. He didn't participate in the beginning of Ricky OTAs. I don't know when he's going to be ready. My or sources, if he's going to be ready. My sources say that, like, generally speak, and my sources, you know, I'm, I'm not per source. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give away all my sources. But, like, my, my source says, like, the concerns about this heart condition are real. And, mm-hmm. it, like, you know, yes, obviously the talent is there. But, like, much like Justin Ross, who were just, like – laughing off like he fell out of the draft because of of health concerns not because of talent I think the the rule of thumb for Sean Tucker there it was a very unfortunate uh or probably you know it was a good find because you want him to be healthy but and the whole reason I brought him up was to say he's probably not going to interfere with Rashad White if he ends up being like if he ends up being healthy and everything aligns I think Sean Tucker's probably better running back than Rashad White overall, or at least very, very close. But everything's going to have to align. He's going to have to get healthy, and we have no we have no answers about that. So right now, there is no competition for Rashad White. And although overall he was meh last year, he was an exciting 
player coming out of school. He has that big play ability. He has that receiving ability. And we saw that like Tom Brady tried to target him a ton last year. And now Leonard Fournette is gone, who led the team in rushing attempts, who had 83 targets last year, Leonard Fournette. And that's with Rashad White having 58. So Rashad White already had 58 last year as a rookie. Well, Leonard Fournette had 83. And you're telling me that Leonard Fournette is gone now? So there's all of these uh, receptions available and targets available at the running back position. Now, Tom Brady's gone. He loves to target the running back position. But Baker, last year with Christian McCaffrey, targeted him seven times per game. It was like he's the only guy he even had eyes for. He didn't know what to do. He only passed to the (laughs) running back. So if we think he's going to struggle again and not be able to support Mike Evans, and we we like Chris Godwin because, you know, he knows how to pass the slot, I think he will target Rashad White quite often. Yeah, I... I, But the scoring opportunities... Scoring opportunities aren't great, but I do think Rashad White has a lot of upside in like full PPR formats. I think the the potential for just like touches, obviously through the roof, the concern is going to be the efficiency and like how much does efficiency matter? Like we've seen, you know, Najee Harris, uh, who obviously both of us absolutely adore, um, hasn't always been able to overcome issues of efficiency and offensive line issues. Like how much is that going to play into what we see in 2023? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I mean, when you're talking about like one of the top things you want to consider for running back is opportunity. It's not necessarily efficiency. I want a running back with a lot of touches. That is Rashad white. And a lot of touches like yes it might you know if you're not going to have that efficiency the ceiling might not be there on a weekly basis but the floor is probably going to be there on a weekly basis because I I mean I I have to assume I'm going to project Rashad White for probably around 15 plus touches per game and you know Rashad White for uh, where is he being drafted right now? What's right his now, uh, running back twenty six, so right smack in between David Montgomery and James Conner. Who? Uh, spoiler we're gonna alert: We're going to talk about James Conner in yeah. a second here. But I think that's a very fair value for him at the moment for a guy who I project is going to see. I think he has way more upside than Montgomery or Connor. The minimum I think is going to be like fifteen touches per game as long as he's healthy and. And we if, know he has a receiving upside. He he like he does have the ability to be very good. And I think he does have the ability to be a breakout running back. His limitation so, is going to be the team and the yes. offense. And that's going to be the hardest thing to project. But I think generally speaking, that's where we're at. All right, let's move on because we were just talking about James Cotter. We are going to talk <laughs> about the Cardinals. And I feel like that's an obvious, right? But that's a great transition. De- Such a good transition. DeAndre Hopkins gets traded. Or not traded. I'm sorry. Gets cut. He should have got he traded. Got. <laughs> what so, is let's just talk about that though. Like somehow, what is, what are the Cardinals doing? Well, somehow they couldn't find a single trade partner. Nobody wanted DeAndre Hopkins for even a seventh round pick. Now I know his cap hit was high and I know his contract was big, but no one wanted the rights for DeAndre Hopkins for even a seventh round pick. That's surpri- surprising to me. But now Hopkins gets to pick his own team, and we don't know it yet as of the time we're recording. So if it drops before you listen to us, I'm very sorry. But now DeAndre Hopkins is no longer on the Cardinals. 
it was already hard to project this team before that. But at least with Hopkins, you could be like, okay, well, he's going to be the target hog. Now we have no idea. So we have so many different players that could be fantasy relevant or pointless this year. At least no, we know it's Hollywood Brown. Like, that's what we know. It, it is Hollywood Brown City. They're going to rename the Arizona Cardinals, like, city, wherever that stadium is, at State Farm Arena. They're going to rename the entire city Hollywood because it is his town and he is going to reign overall so yeah i mean there's marquise brown ronda moore zach Ertz, trey mcbride maybe in his second season i mean he was a second round tight end pick last year he was a very good tight end in college and then you have james Conner at running back and pretty much it somehow they didn't add anyone when james Conner is literally built out of glass but <laughs> The biggest concern here is when you're projecting them, who's the quarterback? Kyler Murray, I mean, is he going what how soon is he going to be ready to play? Does he play at all? Are they so bad that they don't even bring Kyler Murray back at all this year and they just let Colt McCoy or um I I know it, Clayton something Clayton. Clayton Kershaw? Oh my no. god. What? No. Where did you just come up with that name? Is that name? a picture? Clayton Kershaw. I think that might be a ma- that's a mag- that's Clay- a that's a major league baseball okay. picture. It's Clayton um, Tune. Clayton Tune. <laughs> they drafted Clayton Tune. I don't know where he just came up with that name. Do they just let them play and they're going for Caleb Williams this upcoming year? Who knows? If Kyler Murray's back early, that that changes a lot of things, right? But we don't know how fast he'll be back or how motivated they are to bring him back. I mean, I think the Cardinals know this is a lost season. Like, they are literally tied with the Houston Texans for the worst odds to win the Super Bowl next year. And you know why? Because we all know this team is a literal catastrophe. Catastrophe. Boom. Yeah, they're kind of a shit show right now. Cardinals go boom. They're like giving away a lot of, you know, good pieces this offseason. They haven't really signed anyone. I'm sorry. Like, you're telling me you could literally, like, I get the contract, right? Like, I get the cap hit, not fantastic. But you're telling me there is not a single, a single team that will give you a single pick for this man who has been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and it, like, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. No, but I will say so for Marquise Brown, right? When Hopkins wasn't there at the start of the season last year, it was five targets, 11, 17, 11, 10, and then nine. But he got injured in that last game. He had three games with over 20 fantasy points. The other ones were 13, 13 and 12. So very decent points as well for a wide receiver too and then he also had those big games like those high those high scoring games as well for that ceiling Marquise Ron is an interesting fantasy asset this upcoming year the only issue is all those games were with Kyler Murray right and then when he came back from injury those other quarterbacks were playing it was Colt McCoy seven points Colt McCoy six points Trace McSorley Nine fantasy points. David Blau, 12 fantasy points. The last week of the year, oh my goodness, he had... More like David Blah. 
Yeah, yeah, two one point seven fantasy points. So on average, Michelle, that is seven point one fantasy points per game without Kyler Murray last year, as compared to the fifteen point nine that he saw with Kyler Murray starting also, last year. But there's such a difference though, too, comparing those because the times he played with Kyler Murray, there was no DeAndre Hopkins. Times he played with the other quarterbacks, there was DeAndre Hopkins. So was it Kyler Murray? That's very likely was a huge part of it. But also Hopkins was getting so many targets and Hopkins is a much better wide receiver than Marquise Brown. He is going to be the wide receiver one target hog. But again, like I said, Brown was getting so many targets without Hopkins. There is that their plan this year. Like they traded a first round pick for Marquise Brown. Is he going to be their wide receiver one? Is he going to get all these targets? But even if he gets 130, 140 targets next year, if it's from Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon, does that matter? Like, how bad do you want him on your team? But at the same time, he feels like he's going to be cheap enough that it's willing to take that risk that maybe Kyler Murray does come back sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I do think the volume is there. Like, look at the situation, right? Like, Hollywood Brown, he's in a contract year. Uh, this is the final year of his contract. The Cardinals picked up his fifth-year option. Like, this is a really big season for him in terms of what does he get on deal number two. Like, this could make or break him. And I do think he's set up for at least volume, if not efficiency. It's just a matter of, like, does he take that and translate it into something meaningful for his second contract? I don't know because – the quarterback situation feels so dire and like you even look at the run game and yes, like love James Conner, love James Conner, but you mentioned it made of glass. Um, there's not really any depth behind James Conner to support them. Even if like the passing game is struggling, it's not like you can necessarily lean on the run. You don't want to give James Conner 20 touches per game. His body can't handle it. So like, this offense feels like it's made for nothing. I will say, so looking at Marquise Brown's ADP, I think it's super fair, but also makes it even harder, right? So he's going right after Traylon Burks, Deontay, John Deontay Johnson, right before Gabe Davis and Jahan Dotson and Brandon Cooks. I think that's a very fair ADP. But I also, like, I don't know who I'd want out of this group. So, like, Traylon Burks and Marquise Brown and – Deontay Johnson, those should all be wide receiver ones, but they all have their own concerns. Right? And to be fair, like literally all of like, it's kind of weird that all of these wide receivers are back to back to back because they're all in the same situation. You know, they're going to get volume. You know, they're their team's number one option by far. The question is, what do they do as the number one option? Is there enough offense to actually sustain them for fantasy? I, like, I feel like in that situation, Deontay Johnson takes over for me because, like, I know I feel See, like I was thinking Traylon Burks because I think he has the highest upside. I think he has the highest upside, but, like, you know the floor for Deontay Johnson. I think he was wide receiver 28 in PPR leagues last year, and that was with zero touchdowns. Like, that's the floor. I do expect – I'm Kenny Pickett's biggest critic. I do expect that goes up, but, like – with Marquise Brown, you really don't know. You have no idea what the floor could be there. Well, what about Rondo Moore? I feel like everyone's just throwing him into the garbage, and they're not giving him any 
any time of day. Which Tell me what you want to give him in terms of time of day. Listen, this is what's weird to me. I've never been around on more fan. I've always thought he was far overvalued and far overhyped. Coming out of school, everything he did in school was like catches from behind the line of scrimmage or like two feet away. I wanted nothing to do with that, right? But in PPR leagues, if that's what you play in or half PPR – I do think he offers some upside this year. He was hurt for a lot of the year, but in, in he had some good games. I mean, he had a 14-point game, 11 point, 22, 15, and 18.4. Those were his games with two-plus targets last year, and I, I do think like they're going to need him. And if you're in a full PPR league, there might not be a better value. He's right now wide receiver 73. He is going right ahead of Isaiah Hodgins, and he's going after Van Jefferson. I I think people are burying Rondo Moore. I know he has issues with health, and he can't stay healthy, but Rondo Moore is one of those guys I'm going to be looking at in the 13th, 14th, 15th round in this upcoming redraft drafts, and I think he has some upside, or at least some safety of putting up 12 points when he's healthy in a game in PPR leagues. And you know what? You could do way worse than that. You could do way, way worse. But I do think, again, you're just banking on volume for Rondale Moore. And I think that it definitely depends on roster construction. So, like, Rondale Moore is a guy that I'm probably going to grab if, let's say, I have a lot of maybe, like, swing for the fences or shoot for the fence. I don't know what whatever the phrase is. If I have a lot of players that I think have a lot of upside but maybe a limited floor and and could tank me any given week, maybe Rondale Moore is the guy to balance out your roster. But if you have a relatively safe roster, then in those late rounds, yeah, you want to swing for the fences. And that's those are the leagues where you're not going to want Rondale Moore because I don't think the ceiling is particularly high and you are banking on volume. Just based on the concerns about efficiency – without Kyler Murray under center. And what does this offense look like without DeAndre Hopkins? This is in a full rebuild. I do think it comes down to how far he ends up staying down. I mean, if he ends up staying at this range, it's Jaden Reed, Isaiah Hodges, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs. Those are all rookies besides Hodgins. And then Hunter Renfro, Curtis Samuel, John Mechie, Tyquan Thornton, like, I you don't need the, to convince me I that this Rondo is a garbage Moore range. has way more upside than any of those guys. So I do believe like it's, it's a pretty solid, like really good value at this point. And then let's go on to James Conner real, real quick, because James Conner, we he's love probably the best value out of. No, no, of no. I was going to say no? the opposite. No, I want absolutely nothing to do with him. A, he should get a ton of value, volume, right? Right away. I mean, he's the only running back on this depth chart that's worth anything, honestly. Keontae Ingram is the second running back listed on their depth chart. He was a six-round pick this year. James Conner is this dude, and he's going to get all the work. He can't stay healthy being the only guy. Like, how long is that going to last for? And his production and fantasy comes down to touchdowns especially uh, with the Cardinals. Like, it's come down to touchdowns. He was great at it in 2021. He's really good in right near the end, right near the end zone. Uh, fantastic goal line running back. How often are they going to be near the goal line, especially in the beginning of the season when they don't have Kyler Murray? Tell me how long James Conner stays healthy 
as the only running back that's worthy of carries this year. I want nothing to do with him. That's, I mean, that's definitely the biggest concern for James Conner is the fact that there's literally no depth behind him. And like, maybe, normally that's a good thing. Normally that's Conner. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Because of the, uh, you know, on account of the fact that like, he's, he's just not healthy, like literally ever. Um, but like we saw touchdown production, despite the fact that like, it's not like he wasn't, he was one of the league's top end zone options. He had 25 attempts in the entire red zone. Jamal Williams for, you know, reference 58 total red zone carries. Like James Conner didn't necessarily get a ton of volume there, but he does have tackle breaking ability. And when we look back to that limited sample size from 2022 uh, with and without Kyler Murray, he was actually a lot more productive without Kyler Murray. He had more workload um, averaged 12.6 carries per game in games without Kyler Murray or sorry, with Kyler Murray without him averaged 60. Like you could see they were trying to lean more on the run without Kyler Murray there. And that did benefit James Conner because like, Dude can break a tackle like any moment where James Conner has the ball in his hands, that can be like one broken tackle away from the end zone. But I, I mean, the concern is very real, but you cannot draft a player based on their health concerns. Yes, you right? can. With James Conner, you can. He can, you can like sooner or later when a player, you James Conner could stay healthy if he has to split a backfield and that's that right and maybe you don't give him too many touches but like do James you Conner cannot he has never had more than 215 carries in his career in a season and it's only that was back in 2018 last year it was 183 he made it through 13 games there's just no way there's no way their offensive line hasn't gotten any better there he's not gonna stay healthy and is there nothing? Also, there's just like no, there's not a lot of scoring opportunities. And although, yeah, maybe they need more targets. Maybe he gets more targets. But like how many? I don't know. Like you still have Marquise Brown. You still have Ronda Moore. You still have Zach Ertz if he's healthy. You still have Trey McBride. Those aren't guys I'm excited for, McBride or Ertz. But I don't know how many targets there really will be to go to Connor that makes up for his you know, scare with injuries. But like, is there any merit to drafting a guy based on the fact that like, you know, so like James Connor, I feel like at this point, pretty safe to project for 13 games. Right. But like in those 13 uh, games, I would be, I would feel good to project him for eight. He's never played fewer than 10 games in a season. I'd feel good to project him for eight this year. He's getting older. He is on a terrible team. He has nobody to take I, any workload away from I him. I mean, I think that's totally, totally fine if that's what you want to project him for, but, like, it's not based in fact. I will say he's gone pretty um, late right now. He's a running back 27. He's right after Rashad White. I would much rather Rashad White than him, but, you know, White goes because he's projected to go ahead of Connor. After that, it's Alexander Madison, and I think he's only there because people are projecting Dalvin Cook were to get cut and then Madison would fly up if that were to happen. After Just like for reference. So week 10 through uh, weeks, 10 through 17 in the games, James Connor was active. Didn't have a single fantasy finish. And 
this was in like blowout losses. They only won one of those games that I'm referring to here. RB2, RB16, RB4, RB6, RB12, RB4, RB15. Not a single finish beyond RB16. And all of those were games without Kyler Murray. I do think his ADP is fair when you're looking at it. It's not scary. It's, and don't it's down project, below enough. Don't project him for eight well, games. And you know it's ludicrous. But if you can get the starting running back, you know for sure is going to be the starting running back. As long as he's healthy and he's going to get a lot and of guess carries. What? Like, he's going to you know get healthy. a lot of targets and get all the running back target or snap share. And you can get him at the running back 27. You can't ask for much more than that. He's got receiving upside. Like, I will say he's going a handful of picks. Ahead of Rashad Penny, who also, you know, they deal with similar issues. Penny's injury issue has been way higher than James Conner. But, but again, Rashad has, Penny for the Eagles. To share the backfield with DeAndre Swift. Okay. Like, but would you rather Penny or Conner? Conner. And I don't even want to compare Alexander Madison to Conner because that ADP is not correct. It's only if Dalvin Cook is gone and then Madison would obviously be ahead of him. But if Dalvin Cook's still there, then James Conner. All right. Well, yeah, maybe I'm talking to James Conner. I was very much off of him, but I think his cost at the moment is very, very fair. Let's get you just can't draft a running back at that point in the season. Like James Conner probably He's gonna be fine for you as long as he stays healthy. But he's probably gonna touch the ball twenty times a game. How many running backs are you gonna get in that range? Like Rashad Penny, he's efficient enough, like he's the opposite of James Conner, where he's efficient enough, he doesn't need twenty touches per game, but like how many running backs can you draft in that range and reasonably project 20 touches per game? James Conner is the only one. For sure. And I mean, that's on period. That, that you, I think you talked me into him. Boom. I, I don't think you're going to feel good about taking no, him. No, it's not going to feel good. You don't want, like, none of these Cardinals players are going to feel good. if you end up going heavy with wide receivers early and you need to pick your running back too and you waited, I think Conner is an okay pick. And if he ends up staying healthy the whole year – He's going to be okay. Like, I'm not going to ever say he's going to be great because, like, I just don't think the Cardinals are going to be good enough for him to be great, but he's going to be a nice pick. You're such a copycat. All right, let's get to our last team here. It's the Packers. I don't want to talk about the <laughs> Packers at all. Like, this is – okay, when I am talking about projecting teams, I want nothing to do with projecting the Packers. I like. I just feel That's like so mean. I feel like you're just spinning the roulette reel, trying to figure out what the hell to do with this team because we know so little, right? They go on from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. We know nothing about Jordan Love. He has started one game in his career so far. He came in the, at the end of uh, at the end of another game in 2022 last season. I know, but like we have such limited tape on him, and we have no idea. Second like, highest passer rating among NFL quarterbacks last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm so. just saying a 112 NFL passer rating. That was mm. uh, second only behind Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> behind of, Blaine Gabbert of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who oh, threw Daniel eight Daniel was number attempts. six too, if you don't put a minimum. Wow. Okay. You These know, like I don't make up the stats, Michelle. Uh-huh. The stats speak for the- Jordan Love second in terms of <laughs> yards per attempt. Um, he didn't have a terrible game. Behind His- who? Behind who? Jacob Beeson. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is why <laughs> if you're looking up stats, you use minimums and high minimums at that. Uh, but yes, we just don't know anything about Jordan Love. So there's a lot of like semi-fantasy relevant players for the Packers. I mean, A, there's Aaron Jones, who's been 
very important to fantasy. All reliable. For many years now. And then you have Christian Watson, who, as a rookie, had ups and downs, but had that stretch where he was very good for fantasy. Romeo Dobbs, who's that preseason darling. Everyone thought he was going to be amazing last offseason. They drafted a second-round wide receiver this year in Jaden Reed. They still have A.J. Dillon, who we're not going to talk about my excitement about him prior to last year. Disappointed greatly. Are we the problem? Are we the problem? But, like, I... Like if you're looking for answers for the Packers, I don't know if I'm going to be much of a help, but I know Kate has some answers about one guy, but let's talk about Jordan love real quick before you get into Christian Watson. So he's made one start in his career. As I said, uh, second in passer rating among NFL quarterbacks last year. Um, I'm very excited about that. Like, no, but for real, like Jordan love total wild card, but that's all I have. So he made one start <laughs> in 2021, right? And it wasn't pretty. He went 19 for 34 for 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So, and they lost 13 to seven to the Chiefs. It, it was not pretty. I'll say that. And no one did anything really worthwhile in fantasy. Aaron Jones had 12 carries for 53 yards, didn't have any receptions. Devontae Adams had 14 targets. I mean, Jordan Love was trying, right, to target his best wide receiver. 14 targets. Guess how many receiving yards that turned into? I have no idea. He had 14 targets. Just guess. Since you're, like, trying I mean, to obviously make me it's guess low. it's going to be low. Yeah, obviously. 14 targets. It turned um, into how many yards? 92. Why would you guess that high? I don't know. It was 42. Oh! <gasps> 14 no. targets turn into 42 yards. Oh, no. Yeah. So not fantastic, but that was his first start ever. To be fair, that would be six yards per target, um, What I, which I thought was, like, relatively low. <laughs> I mean, that's extremely low. Yeah. yeah. So I – to be fair, that oh, was a 92 fair... yards would have been six yards per target. Yes. What, wait, can you just do – can you do the 42 real quick? <laughs> 42 on 14, 42 yeah. receiving yards on 14. So, yeah. like, just to be clear, the 92 that I projected, very reasonable considering that 42 <laughs> yards on 14 targets, that is three yards per target, which would break the NFL database in terms of worst wide receiver and ever. You're, you're throwing to one of the best wide receivers in the league, and you average three yards oh. per target to him. Again, that was his first start in the NFL. His he didn't get to start another game, but in 2022, he got to come in against the Eagles for the final two drives because the Packers were getting destroyed. Now, I'm sure the Eagles took out some of the defensive players. I don't know that for sure, but I will say he looked a little bit better, right? Six for nine for 113 yards, one passing touchdown, but 63 of those yards and that touchdown came from the easiest, most wide open completion to Christian Watson who beat a ton of guys with his speed to the house. Just like, to be clear, but that's like a trait of Christian Watson yeah. is his speed. So, yeah. like, don't take, like, the – it's not like a – I'm not talking bad on Christian Watson. I'm talking speed. I'm talking on Christian Love. Like, we don't really get anything from that game because more than half – Jordan Love. Yes. Yeah. What did I just say? Christian Love. Oh, Jordan who Love. sounds like a – Christian Love sounds like a, a little swindler. <laughs> he sounds like a ladies' man, Christian yeah. Love. B like, but you can't take, like, 
spe- like he's still going to have Christian Watson, who mm-hmm. still inherently has the speed, so yep. you can't take that away. Yep. It's I, it, like this offense without Aaron Rodgers is definitely probably it not probably it is the most difficult to project for me because of the fact that like literally we don't know this team's identity without Aaron Rodgers. It we don't have we don't have an idea and it's been so long since we've seen Jordan Love actually play football like how does he translate to the NFL? I I genuinely don't know but like the the wide receivers, the tight ends, like none of it feels great for the Packers. Like their depth chart feels kind of like not. What's the opposite of a massage? I don't know. Um, being stabbed in the back. It kind of feels like I'm being stabbed in the heart. Like, like Jaden Reed is slotted to be a starting receiver for the Packers. Jaden well, so, Reed. Like well, they have the youngest. They have to have the youngest wide receiver group. It's Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. Those are the slotted starters and there's no one behind them. And it's not even like they have. So like even you look at the Houston Texans, right? Like you have questions like John Mechie, like you have questions about the Texans, like Tank Dell, Robert Woods. You have questions, but you have Dalton Schultz. Their tight end room is Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, two rookie tight ends who like, again, Luke, Luke Musgrave making the rounds on fantasy so Twitter right now. So do we right think now, that Aaron Jones like leads this team in receptions? Would not be surprised. So would not be surprised. Are at all. you still in on Aaron Jones then? Because well, I know you were saying to me though before this podcast, you're actually impressed with Christian Watson, and I wanted to hear about that. I am. So like coming into 2022, I was very critical about Christian Watson. I thought he was drafted a little bit too high for my comfort uh, in terms of like his NFL readiness. So like Christian Watson, absolute phenomenal athlete. And I do think like if he were not that kind of athlete, he would not have been drafted that high. No, because he can't catch a ball. He can't catch. That's <laughs> like, that's a problem. Um, ranked for his first target was perfect for oh. him in the NFL. Cause that's exactly who he is. If you haven't seen though, but he is a special athlete. And Dear he, audience, if you haven't seen his first NFL target, it is heartbreaking and truly. It should have been what a sixty-yard touchdown right away. Yes, and like the Wide look open. on zoom in on Aaron Rodgers' face because it is absolutely priceless. But like last year, he did rank fourth among wide receivers, ten point nine percent drop rate. But like, doesn't necessarily matter for fantasy. Like we care about targets. We care. Sometimes you don't care as much about that efficiency, but. When you look at the stats for Christian Watson, he had a lot of splash plays. He had a lot of, like, boom moments, and then he had some meh in between. But, like, when you looked at his actual, like, overall stats for the 2022 season, really impressive. Among all wide receivers with 50 or more targets, had 123.3 passer rating when target. That's second second among wide receivers. 75% contested catch rate. That's second among wide receivers tied Uh, 14.9 yards per reception. That's tied for 10th or 11th best among wide receivers, 2.26 yards per route run. That's 11th among wide receivers, 6.4 yards after the catch per reception. That's fourth among wide receivers from an analytics standpoint. 
Christian Watson had a fantastic rookie season. And, like, I, I do think, like, my biggest gripe about Christian Watson, and this is me circling back on my own take, was that I thought Romeo Dobbs was a much more refined wide receiver. But, like, Christian Watson had the athleticism. You saw the upside of his analytics profile, I think, in his rookie season. And I don't think it gets any worse from here. And, like, this was a, a year that, like, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you, you say, well, Aaron Rodgers was throwing him the ball. Aaron Rodgers wasn't throwing particularly well last year. Like, we did not see MVP Aaron Rodgers last year. We saw a different version of Aaron Rodgers last year. He was managing a thumb injury and a throwing hand. But, like, generally speaking, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the same Aaron Rodgers in 2022, and we still saw that efficiency from Christian Watson. Yeah, I mean, so I I was pleasantly surprised by Christian Watson. He was better than I thought he was going to be. He was also exactly who I thought he was going to be. Like, he's Marquis. Inconsistent. He's, he's Marquis Valdez Scantling, but instead of just paying him, they let him go, and then they drafted. I think Christian could, Watson's better than MBS. They're very, very similar. But again, like, I'm – to be clear, I am a big skeptic of Christian Watson, I, I and I'm advocating a higher, for him. I think he has a higher ceiling. I will say, when you're looking at his ADP, it's super, super high. I don't know if this is just skewed because we're in the middle, like right at the beginning of June, and things will change, and maybe this is like more dynasty, like that's affecting it. But looking at these rankings, I don't think dynasty is affecting it. Like overall, right now, Christian Watson's at wide receiver 19 for 2023 fantasy ADP. He's between Amari Cooper and DeAndre Hopkins, which I don't care where Hopkins goes. I want Hopkins over Watson. He is before Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I want both of those guys. He's before Drake London, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin. Um, That's pretty much it then when I go through the list. But I want all those guys before him. So I do think he's a little too high for my concerns for Jordan Love. And also just his consistency. I don't think I'll have any Christian Watson on my team, but I do think that you've made a lot of good points. I think he has a lot of high upside. If Jordan Love ends up being a, a above average or just average quarterback, Christian Watson ranked, is probably great. Don't mean to brag, ranked second in NFL passer rating mm-hmm. um, last year mm-hmm. among, mm-hmm. <laughs> among quarterbacks. But I mean, like this, in this all team serious. is wide open for a target hog. Like, we don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. Um, Packers beat reporters have, again, shouted out Romeo Dobbs as the potential suitor. And No. So this is the thing to about Romeo To be clear, Dobbs. though. No, this is the thing about Romeo Dobbs. Even if he gets a little bit more targets this year, like, I feel like he's going to average 11 yards per se- Like, he has no upside. I don't feel like Romeo Dobbs has the upside. If you're going to take a chance on a Packers receiver – Take a chance on the guy that can bring it to the house on any given play. And that could be Aaron Jones or Christian Watson. Now, Aaron Jones, I so Let's talk about Aaron Jones then, because I do think that, like, let's talk about the running backs. I do think that... He disappointed a lot last year, but he does this all the time, right, where he has a couple really big games and then disappears. But I think people are starting to get over Aaron Jones a little bit, and he could definitely fall in drafts this year. 
Right now, he's a running back 16 in ADP. He's sandwiched between Kenneth Walker and Joe Mixon. I'm actually surprised that he's that high. I would much prefer Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker or Joe Mixon. And you guys know I'm the biggest Joe Mixon hater of all time. If he stays with the Bengals this year, I would still prefer Mixon to Aaron Jones. Do you agree with me? I think I take Aaron Jones there, and I do Wait, think. I like, thought this was the easiest thing of all time. No. I thought we were about to make it harder, but you actually would take Aaron Jones over Joe Mixon this year. We Aaron Jones. I, I think <laughs> what's coming up next week is a debate show. That would be so much fun. Uh, and I, I think mean, both Jones of, between Joe Mixon would have to be one of these. Both of these running backs have high touch totals, right? But, like, looking at Aaron Jones, he's been – a much more efficient running back over his entirety of his career. He's been more, I think, consistently involved as a pass catcher. Saw a, a career high 72 targets in 2022. And looking at this receiving core, it's not like you think that there's going to be any sort of difference, right? Like, they, I would, I think we could reasonably project him for at least 65 targets. And that's yeah. that's literally been his floor over each of the last four seasons. But how Average, many more scoring opportunities will Joe Mixon have than Aaron Jones if he stays in the Bengals? Again, he could totally be cut this offseason. But if Joe Mixon, when you're when you're drafting in late August, early September, Joe Mixon's still on the team. Just to be like, clear, he scored nine. Uh, Joe Mixon scored nine touchdowns last mm-hmm. year, which is fine. You know, Aaron Jones. So, Scored two rushing touchdowns last year. Two. Yeah, not great, Bob. And then you also have AJ. He Dillon. still had he still had seven total touchdowns. But how though. many receiving touchdowns are going to be available to him with Jordan Love? This is the whole question. And I am. Banking, I think. I think you you're have, banking. You're banking on Aaron. Aaron Jones. But you have then. a starting running back for either the Bengals or the Packers. I'm taking. And then also, it's not even the starting running back. It's also a running back for the. Packers who have to compete with AJ Dillon for touches or Joe Mixon who has no competition for touches. I think you're insane. Okay. I mean, I hate Joe Mixon. Like, I, right? I but, agree 100% wholeheartedly. I like, mean, right after him, well, let's discuss this then because right after Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon, you agree you would take Kenneth Walker over either yes. of those two? Yes. Same. And then right before him is Najee Harris. We would take him. Jameer Gibbs. Are you taking Gibbs over Walker and Jones? Mm. He's ranked ahead of both of those guys. And I would rather just take the upside of Gibbs. I'd take Jones. Aaron Jones over Jameer Gibbs. I'm not yes. doing that. I'm yes. not doing that. Oh, well, I, so apparently you're much higher on Aaron I Jones do, than like, I am. I mean, but do after, you, so after. What do you think? What do you reasonably project for Jameer Gibbs? So like, I is, are you projecting 60 targets? Because yeah. guess what? Like. Yeah. That's literally been his. But no, I'm Aaron projecting Jones's more floor. than sixty targets. How many targets are you projecting for Jameer Gibbs? DeAndre Swift, t- like, was tied for second in receptions last year for the Lions, and I think Gibbs could be better than Swift. But he's like he had seventy targets in mm-hmm. each of the last two seasons. That's mm-hmm. more than I thought. And he had. Jamal Williams almost took that entire backfield at all times. So DeAndre Swift had seventy yeah. targets while okay. barely playing. Okay. Gibbs is going at the 12th overall pick. Is going oh my God, to stop beating me up. Okay. This so is abusive. He's going to get well over. <laughs> I, I, I think he'll get at least 80 targets, and I'm, I'm taking Gibbs for sure over 
Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon. I think there's but a right, reasonable right, discussion, though. Right after Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon is Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, your boy Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, who you just brought up. Damian Pierce being in this conversation is stupid. Well, Damian Pierce is... Damian Pierce should be drafted much higher. Oh, just he's running in back case, 20. I mean, Damian Pierce why? being Pierce RB20 is Pierce doesn't get any stupid. targets. So, why, so you were just talking down on... We were, we, we were talking about um, Travis Etienne, right? And you're like, well, he doesn't get a lot of targets, but he has a lot of breakout plays. So you're worried about him at RB12. But you're saying Damian Pierce, who is on a much worse team, right, than the Jaguars, he also doesn't get any targets. He, they also signed Devin Singletary. I think it's more competition than Travis Etienne has. So who why? is not wait, just to be clear, Devin Singletary is not a threat in terms of receiving. He no, just not to a, be clear, not a threat in terms of receiving, but a threat in terms of carries. So why do you think that Damian Pierce is so much, you know, should be ranked so much higher, but you're worried about Travis Etienne at 12? Because Damian Pierce has the rushing floor. You would take Travis Etienne over Damian Pierce, right? Oh, my God, Kate, we're about to get divorced. <laughs> What do you mean? Why are you hesitating? You would take Travis Etienne over Damian Pierce, Kate. Uh-huh. Caitlin, say what you want to say. What do you mean? I, I'm All right. I guess she would take Damian Pierce over Travis Etienne. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to have some kind of bet on that because that is insane. And that's how we're going to close out our show today because you're going to be sleeping on the couch tonight. No. You can. <laughs> actually, we have we bought a new couch recently. It's actually and it's the so best couch of all time. So I'm jealous of you. If you I love the couch. <laughs> Anyways, that is it for today's show. I hope you had fun. I hope you learned some something something. If you have our any goal, questions, yeah, always. always our goal. If you any if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me Michelle at Bob Blastem, Bob Blast em. and you can find me at Kate Majuk. Did you want to say your name or? Oh, my name's Kate well, Majuk. I think I guess I got that at that point. All right, <laughs> <laughs> talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.